Welcome to A Passion to Serve. My name is Don Kutnicki and I'm the host of the podcast. I've spent the majority of my professional career developing and implementing policies and programs to help break the vicious cycle of poverty that too many people endure. With A Passion to Serve, I bring you stories of individuals from all walks of life who are working towards similar goals and objectives. During our interviews, we discuss employment and training programs, Head Start services, financial literacy instruction, and so much more. And of course, I also speak to the people who are utilizing these programs to help create a better life for themselves and their families. I hope you decide to join me and learn about these amazing people who all have a passion to serve. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 15 of A Passion to Serve. Today, I'm speaking with New York Times best-selling author Harlan Cohen. Over the past 25 years, Harlan has trained students, parents, and professionals to dream big, to navigate change, and lead with confidence and clarity. Harlan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Don. It's good to be here. Yeah. Well, it seems like it's been a long time running. We've been um, communicating back and forth over a variety of issues for a period of time. Really excited and grateful that we have an opportunity to talk today. Um, lots of things I want to discuss with you, but first, why don't you share with my listeners a little bit about your educational and your professional background? You know, I would love to do that, and and I know this is your this is your show, but I mentioned this before, and I wanted to thank you again for introducing a student who I interviewed from the state of Washington to some local resources in Washington. There's a student who was exceptional, first-generation student who went to a running start program, who was on Dean's List and applied for colleges and didn't get a lot of offers and ended up having to take out a loan when this is a student who clearly has need and there are resources. And I was, you know, really, I wanted to help this student because we share that passion for, for truly serving and helping. So I reached out to you uh, because I know you know the space, then you introduced me to a local contact. Who was that? You, you, what was the, the name of the organization again? I want to say it might be OIC in Washington, D.C. It has to do with the National Farmworker Jobs Program and the grantees and fortunately being connected within that whole group that it's just nice when the systems kind of talk with each other and we can kind of move forward and, and help someone navigate through some of this. But I believe it may have been OIC. Yeah, I think it was. It was, and it was um, uh, Martha Martha through NFJP, the program director yep. there, in uh, in Washington, who's supporting the student. And the student shared that she's going to be getting, um, you know, more financial assistance. You know, s- several thousand dollars. It's, it looks like in books. And I'm just so grateful because there's nothing that feels better than being able to help a student. And I know we were talking about that before, but it's like. I mean, this is what you do, and this is what lights me up. And I know that anybody who's listening, you know, this 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 is this is why we do this. Absolutely, I was so I was really pleased when you shared with me that there was a positive outcome there. And I want to share with you too, Harlan, that over the weekend I was at a, a graduation ceremony. Students who come from a farm worker background who achieved and completed their high school equivalency program and. It's so inspiring to hear some of the different challenges and the obstacles that they had to overcome to make sure that happened. And I know that has a lot to do with what you focus on in your work, that it has to do with not only are we trying to streamline systems to make it more user-friendly, but what and how do we develop and cultivate that sense of grit and resiliency in individuals that 
you know, if there's rejection, if there is adversity, that we don't, you know, that we keep coming back up again to get those outcomes that we're looking for. Yeah, and I think that's a great connection to just the background and 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 why I do this. And um, you know, I've I've been in this business for over 25 years, just the business of helping. My 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 name is Help Me Harlan. That's that was uh, the name of my advice column, and still still my HelpMeHarlan.com email. And uh, I went to college, and I really struggled, and uh, I didn't know college could be uncomfortable. And uh, you know, the thing about me is. Uh, I come from a place of privilege. I mean, this is a podcast, but but if you took a snapshot of me, you know that that's what you would see. And I struggled deeply. It was I I was uh, couldn't find friends. Uh, I felt incredibly displaced. Um, I struggled in so many different ways, and I never knew that this was part of the college experience. And keep in mind, you know, like my parents, you know, they both graduated from college. My mom commuted. Uh, for four years uh, from Cleveland to Kent State University and, and really earned that degree. But um, I didn't know college could be so uncomfortable, and it really threw me. I eventually transferred to Indiana University from UW-Madison, and then I started writing an advice column. And I've always wanted to help, and I've always wanted to serve. And the goal was to help other students to just see that Life is uncomfortable. It's 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 challenging, and my my focus is rejection. I'm like the king of rejection. Um, I'm, I'm very proud of my rejection. I get rejected every week. It means I'm doing something. And one one of the things I've been able to do is is really help others to get comfortable with the uncomfortable and understand that rejection piece. And especially when it comes to serving first generation students, so many students who are rejected before they're even born, before they even speak, before they even have a chance to be people. It's inherently unfair, and the cards are stacked against them. So to see how can I help students to find their way, to be able to overcome these these obstacles that, that are part of society, so unfair, and to then help students to chart a path so they can get to where they want to go. And that's really been the mission is – sharing this formula of embracing change, embracing challenges, but recognizing who are the people, sorry, who are the people in the places doing the things you want to do, and how can you follow those people in their path? And that's my mission is to highlight that path, to show those people who have been there and done it, and help every student to help every student, especially our first-gen students, uh, students who are whose families are, are involved with agriculture, to be able to help them to see the path so that they can get to the places they want to go, so they can dream, they can believe, and make it happen, and 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 continue to make it happen again and again and again. I think mean, wonderful, and I know I want to talk a little bit more about what that formula is. That you know, I'm in my mid 50s, and sometimes it's difficult for me to remember that um, every no that I get, just because I'm getting that much closer to a yes. How do you cultivate that type of mindset and type of thinking in the people that you work with, Harlan? Yeah. So you know, I mentioned before the the rejection piece really connects us all. Like this idea of acknowledging rejection and becoming familiar with rejection and really understanding it. Too many times when, when people get rejected, their response is either to, to 
hate, hide, or attack, which is a very natural response to want to hate, hide, or attack. But what I do is introduce people to this law of nature, this law of nature called the universal rejection truth. And the universal rejection truth says not everyone and everything's going to always respond to me the way I always want. And for the, those of you who are familiar with growth mindset and, and, and grit and resiliency and, and all of that, especially growth mindset, if we know that being exceptional means that you're not always going to get the outcome you desire because of the universal rejection truth, then there's only one mindset to have if you want to be exceptional, and that's a growth mindset because this universal rejection truth. So really acknowledging this truth, recognizing this truth, coming to the realization that I can be exceptional, I can be the most desirable, I can be all these things and not everyone and everything's gonna respond to me the way I always want, it's liberating. It really shifts the mindset. And a student who's in an environment where they're not getting the responses that they're worthy and deserving of, instead of, stopping instead of hate hide and attack they can switch embrace this truth and think people places patience i think that's wonderful and i you know obviously at least to me it's obvious that the sooner we can teach that to our kids to people around us our colleagues the better off we all are and it's interesting to me too that i mean for purposes of this interview we're focusing primarily on students and, and post-secondary education for the most part. However, this applies to every area of our life, that it's so easy to fall into that type of um, self-destructive thinking instead of really having a mindset that's going to cultivate ultimately the desire or the results that we're looking for. Harlan, what can you tell me about Before College TV? Yeah, so Before College TV is something I started when I wasn't able to go on campuses because I, I spent a lot of time speaking, hosting workshops, and, you know, when COVID came, I wasn't able to do that. So the first thing I did was interview students, interview professionals, and I wanted to create a place to host that. So that's where I launched Before College TV. So it's a wonderful place to, uh, especially when it comes to our first-generation students and families, I work with a lot of gear up programs around the country and um, other other multicultural type of groups and resources at um, in Michigan at Ferris State University. I did a, a wonderful uh, a wonderful series with uh, the Center for uh, Latino Studies, and yeah. um, there's some wonderful videos on there that, that people could see it before college TV. As part of before college TV, and this is where I'd really like to direct everyone, is there's a, a button. It's the One of Your People Project. And the One of Your People project features students, juniors, seniors, sometimes alumni, and these students share their stories. And I've got profiles of these students and links to the students' high schools, links to what they've done at their college campuses. Because what we're doing is deconstructing their success. So if you're a seventh grader or an eighth grader, whoever you are, and you're like, man, I've got a dream. I want to do this. I want to do that. Well, now you get to see the person. And you get to see the place they're from. And you get to see where they found connection and community. You get to see if they're part of a camp program. You get to see if they're part of a trio program. You get to see if they're part of a multicultural group. You get to see if they're connected to some spiritual organization. Because what we want to do is show students the path, the clear path, so that they can dream and believe and make these things happen. So before College TV, the One of Your People Project, uh, TikTok, I do a ton of work on TikTok. 
because my constant message is I don't want to just tell you. I want to show you and I want to connect you so that you can realize the difference between you and where you want to go is time and hard work. That's it. You can get there. And even if you don't have the talent, you can do something close to what you want to do because you're going to be around incredible people who are going to realize that you are fire, that you are you have a mission. And, and there's one other thing I want to mention because I don't want to forget this, Don. It's that when I do these conversations with students, they share with me their family stories. And, man, those family stories, I love those family stories because the family stories are the perfect example of people, places, and patients. A first-generation family that's coming to this country because they might know someone or there's a place where they can go. And then those parents work so unbelievably hard, so hard, so that their kids can have these opportunities. And these parents deal with enormous rejection, enormous setbacks, but yet they persist. And and they are the heroes. And we, I love celebrating them. And I love for them to be celebrated because they don't recognize how incredible they are because they're not acknowledged uh, the way that they need to be. So I love acknowledging that. I love when the students, when the kids acknowledge it. Um, it's wonderful because I, I just think that, that uh, it, is, it is long overdue, the recognition that they deserve. And I love being able to serve and help them to see that path. It's one of the main reasons why I enjoy working with the farm worker population pretty significantly, just knowing where they come from and all of the sacrifices that are made, some of the challenges that need to be overcome. And it's, and it's interesting because out there the public perception sometimes really is not very positive and it's not accurate in a lot of instances in terms of different people and different populations. And um, it's so, I feel so fortunate to really have a much better overall understanding about what's actually taking place and going on. And I think about my own upbringing and how everything that, you know, my mom and dad would want for me to be as a person growing up and as an adult and as a family man and a worker, um, I see modeled so successfully um, by a lot of the individuals that we're trying to support and that we're trying to help to give them some new opportunities. Harlan, what do you think, what are some of the key issues that keep our post-secondary graduation rates somewhere right around 40%? And what can we do to improve and overcome that? Yeah, so I think in terms of people, places, patients, you know, those three Ps of people, places, and patients. And when I talk to students who struggle, and when I talk to students who are seniors or recently graduated, every time they talk about wanting to quit. And I asked them the question. I say, was there a time where you thought of dropping out? Is there a time when you just didn't think you can continue? And I would say 99% of the time, the answer is yes, I almost I almost didn't continue. And then the question is, well, why did you persist? And the majority of the time, it's someone who was in their corner. It's a, a, a peer in the camp program. It's a professor or an administrator who was in their corner. Now, I I talk to high school students as well, and we see this. It's the student who doesn't have a place. It's the student who doesn't have people. It's the student who gets impatient, who doesn't persist. And this is why I love working with middle schoolers. I love working with the Garrett program's great because it's a seven-year program. You start in seventh grade, and then you see the students all the way through their first year in college. 
And what we're teaching, and this is something that I'm going to be rolling out in the next year, is a transition program that starts in seventh grade. Because transition is a life skill. And if you understand, transition is about what do I want, what makes me uncomfortable, people, places, patients. And if we can help students, help young people to think in terms of what do I want, what makes me uncomfortable, people, places, patients. And when they go from middle school to high school, where are your places? Who are your people? And when it comes to the administrators, when it comes to the professionals who are part of the programs that, that, that we serve, and what you do, and with Telemod, and that you are the people who've created a place to help students to get comfortable with the uncomfortable, to share their dreams, to be able to get where they want to go. I'm uncomfortable because I don't think I could pay for college. Well, we can help you with that because we know the people and places. I'm uncomfortable because I've never gone through this before. I'm a first-gen student. We can help you to find the people and places. The uncomfortable part is we have so many students who are so proud and come from cultures where oftentimes, and this is their words, you know, Sharing your vulnerabilities and sharing your fears is not something that is practiced in the community. So really helping those students to understand the importance of sharing what's uncomfortable and creating the framework and the resources so that they can do that um, and, and feel safe. And this is where you know these programs that serve students where there's many touch points are so crucial and instrumental. These programs that guide students along the process, programs that connect students to other people who have been there and done it. Because what I've seen is when you don't have people and you don't have places, you get impatient and you don't persist. And I'll just say one more thing about this. We look at the valedictorians, those students who are so exceptional, especially our first-gen students and families of, of farm workers. And these students get to college and they start to doubt themselves. They start to feel like imposters. They don't feel worthy and deserving. They're not able to make it happen. So then they start to question uh, their belief in themselves. And then oftentimes they give up on that dream. Remember, dream it, believe it, make it happen. When you don't have people in places and you get impatient, you stop making it happen because you start questioning yourself. That belief in yourself starts to, to dissipate. That's the grit and resilience piece. And then you start to question that that dream. So we need to have the resources in place so that we can help students to dream, believe, and make it happen and to understand what that means and to model that and to support students through that entire process. You know, it's really interesting to me how um, with the farm worker population or other underserved populations, when you were talking, I thought about you know, something that I hear more about recently, which is imposter syndrome, which is exactly what you're talking about, that somehow I really don't belong here, I don't fit here. And I wonder, along with the formula that you're talking about, how do you address that with more underserved populations, people who don't regularly see themselves on a college campus? Because I think imposter syndrome is real. And I also think they even at times can struggle with um you know, are they are they getting the impression from their own community that somehow they're turning their back on them or that they think they're better than the, you know, the population that they're coming from? There's a whole host of issues that they have to maneuver. I mean, the minefield just seems incredible at times in terms of some of the some of the other challenges and some of the other experiences that they have to walk through that I never, ever had to think twice about. Well, that peer to peer piece and, and capturing those stories um, this is why I love recording these stories with students, because Eric is one of the students 
that I think of. And, and Eric shares about feeling like an imposter at the University of Washington. And he shares that if it wasn't for the camp program, he wouldn't still be there. Uh, then you get to learn more about Eric. You get to understand his life experiences. You also get to see that Eric ended up going to Tahiti at some for some like program or something. So you got like a first gen student who's part of the camp program who is going abroad. Yeah. But the the message is we need to capture the voices of those who have been there and done it because the the project I think of the project I'm doing with um with Fair State and one of the questions that Kaylee the director of the Center for Latino Studies, Kaylee is so awesome. And Kaylee asked me, she said, hey, Harlan, can you ask a question about how students' culture has impacted their college careers? And the students shared that their culture is the driving force in helping them find the motivation to make a change because they want to come back and they want to serve their culture. They want to serve their community. They want to use their access to help others to improve their lives. So this message of, and there's another story, there was one of these students, um, gosh, I can't remember who it was, but he was talking about how he went back because his mom was sick. And then he dropped out. And a teacher wasn't, a professor was in touch with him from a program and his fraternity members, you know, fraternity. And those people stayed in touch with him. And they helped him to recognize the only way to help your mom is if you can take care of yourself. Yep. And then he went back because he knew in order to serve others, that's what he needed to do. So the imposter syndrome, the connection to community, the, the rich culture. Well, when we have students modeling and sharing this, then those other students can recognize, oh, you know what? This is the other path. Because imposter syndrome is, is huge. Uh, and that's where, again, I love being a journalist. And this, this, and this is where I feel like, this one of your people project, the work that I'm doing, the work that we're doing. This is one of the reasons I'm so grateful to be here is because I see a way to create lasting change. I see a formula that's, that works, and we see it work, and I've been able to distill it down into very simple, a simple framework. So if there's anyone who's interested, and you know, I, I love this because in our lifetimes, I really believe we can see a dramatic impact. Well, and I think, too, that um, as as we all move forward, whether they're students, whether whoever it is and whatever their life experiences are, the more they invest in themselves, they find there's such a rich history of overcoming obstacles and, and having um, just just attaining fantastic things that, you know, they may never would have known about otherwise if they didn't believe in themselves enough to move forward and to take a risk and to allow themselves to be uncomfortable. I also, Harlan, one of the things I've, I've been really impressed with just overall is you mentioned TikTok. I know that you're very active on social media, the videos that you're doing. I, I feel that that visual component and how young, the, that next generation, how they are taking information in, I think that's a really important piece of it. And I think that's really very helpful for um, getting your message across and why you're as successful as you are. Well, you know, I appreciate that. And I like to turn the attention on everybody else because I want to serve and I want to help others to be able to have an impact. And we are in a time in history where there's never been more ways to tell stories, storytelling, telling the stories of students who have been there and done it, telling the stories of the 
people who are in students' corners, telling those stories because through video, through social media, through print, through all the different tools and, and, and apps and texting, we can tell stories. So I love telling stories because I think the way that people are going to really gravitate towards the resources, they're going to be able to spread the word about how to be able to get to one place to another, how to find access. It's through storytelling. Yep. And, that, and that's, that's the thing that's so cool because we are in the midst of a revolution in terms of how to tell stories and the different ways. And that's where I feel like my role is I'm a conduit who can help to shine a spotlight and capture the essence, the light. When I have these conversations and record these conversations, I think of myself as a light catcher. So I tell my, my wife when I'm done with these conversations because you know, they're, they're emotional and, and, and I'm invested. And it's, I just want to capture students' light because if we capture that light and someone else sees that light, yeah. well, then that's where it really hits somebody hard and they realize I can do it. And this is how. There's nothing more exciting when someone listens or communicates with another person and they realize that someone else has absolutely walked on the same or a similar path. And I think that is so powerful. Speaking of that, I do believe that you have a new book or a fairly recent book. It's called Winter Learn the Naked Truth about turning every rejection into your ultimate success. Can you tell me about that book? Yeah, so I love this this book because it's it's super simple the way it's written. It's got double spaces. It's got pictures. It's meant to be read in just a few hours, but it's so simple the framework. And this is the same framework that is part of the Naked Roommate and 107 other issues you might run into in college, which is my most popular book. That book has like a million copies in print. And then I've, I've written a dating book, and the framework of all of these books is. What do I want? What makes me uncomfortable? People, places, patience, tell my story as if, and celebrate, reflect, and repeat. So it's this win or learn framework that makes it very easy to communicate a step-by-step -step process to go from where you are to where you want to go. And what's really nice is when you break down this win or learn book and use it as a discussion piece, we have schools, we have colleges and high schools who are using win or learn as a textbook. Because it brings up these, these, these important points that are part of transition. The um, one part, and I know I, I get really excited, but, but, but the, the, the framework of what do I want, what makes me uncomfortable, people, places, patience, those are the first three steps. The uncomfortable part where students get to talk about rejection and get to share their rejections and, and get to do it in, in, in a way where they get to discuss it and celebrate it, all of a sudden there isn't stigma. All of a sudden it's like, yeah, we all deal with rejection. You know, that's part of the imposter syndrome because all of a sudden I'm an exceptional student who is struggling. I, I just posted a video uh, no more than, than three minutes ago uh, from a student, uh, Jenia, and Jenia is, I think she's a senior now at, at Washington State University who failed her first uh, term and um, she, she, the first gen student, she went on TikTok and found out some study hacks and started to use flashcards to, um, to help her. So she went from failing to a 95%. Yeah. And what's great is we shared this. And the power of this isn't just about flashcards. 
This yeah. is a first-gen student who failed, who tried again, who realized I'm enough, and now someone else can see that. And, and that's where, you know, once we can get over the uncomfortable piece, oh, man, people, places, patients, let's tell that story, and let's celebrate no matter what. And that's the beauty of this book. So I really encourage uh, anyone to check it out, and uh, it, it's, it's relevant for students from seventh grade all the way. We have professionals. I'm working with corporations who are using this because if you talk about you know risk-taking and dealing with rejection, and I mean, like you were saying before, Don, this isn't just about young people. This is life, and most of us aren't given the tools to practice so that we can develop these skills. I think that's such a healthy mindset to develop, too. And it's just when you were talking and sharing that experience about the flashcards and TikTok, I just kept thinking that that opens up other conversations, that that makes it safe for someone else to say, well, I was struggling and then I did this or I tried that or I, I tried this resource. And I, I think just cultivating that, I think as a culture overall, it feels to me that rejection and failure is not typically – People don't want to talk about those failures. They don't want to own up to them. It's like when you look at someone's resume, it's everyone's best face or best image as to how they want to be perceived by others. But there's so many treasures that you can encounter through the rejection process. And like you said, if we are unwilling to allow ourselves the ability to, fa to fail effectively, we can never ultimately achieve the highest you know, whatever our highest goals and aims are, we have to be willing to put ourselves out there like that. And to cultivate that, to develop um, a community of people with that mindset is so, so powerful. Harlan, where can people learn more about your work? So they can find me at harlancohen.com, H-A-R-L-A-N-C-O-H-E-N. Uh, my TikTok is help me Harlan, and it's just help me and then H-A-R-L-A-N. And you can find me on, on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me. You can find me all over. Um, that framework of win or learn. I, I should mention. You know, that's Nelson Mandela's quote: "Is I never lose. I either win or I learn." And it really makes it makes living uh, more tolerable. Uh, it removes the shame. It allows every experience to be one that helps us to grow. And uh, it's it's just a wonderful. I feel very blessed to be able to share this. And, and, I, and I really want to mention, again, you know, I just I want to serve and I want to help. And if there's anyone who's listening and feels connected to this, uh, please reach out to me because uh, I really I really believe that we are on to something. And collectively, uh, we can continue to support students and families and change lives. Harlan, I just want to thank you again for joining me today on A Passion to Serve. Thanks, Don. Likewise, it was great to be here with you. Thank you for listening to A Passion to Serve with your host, Don Kutnicki. You can follow A Passion to Serve on Spotify or subscribe to the sites that carry the podcast, such as Apple, Anchor, and Radio Public. Until next time. <music>